Hey, dear listeners, welcome to On The Mount Podcast with OK and the and myself and Michael Onyagwa. First things first, we're going to talk about Anchor, one of our sponsors. Uh, it's a fantastic website, too. I mean, if you want to put out audio of any sort, um, it's a fantastic resource. Um, you know, you could use it to record, put out ads. It's um, a, a very efficient website that does a lot of things for you. When you go, when you just go on there, saves time, especially as a smaller business. I've been using it. We've been using it for our productions, and it's been a game changer for us. And you know, advice that you go ahead and use in the encore. Um, definitely take a take a look at it and keep keep going with it. Um, we're going into the new, the a new podcast today. You know, it's going to be about the upcoming election season. In the next couple of weeks, it's going to be fantastic. We're going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to talk about. Some of the perceptions about the um, candidates and their possibilities of winning, you know, stay tuned, talk, expect your feedback. It's going to be fantastic. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. Thank you. Today's going to be the long overdue um, post-election Nigerian update. You know, the um, presidential election um, was 29th of February this year. And um, they had the subsequent elections and uh, tribunals, swearing-ins, uh, ministerialists, and stuff like that. So, um, in that time, unfortunately, um, okay, Ndibé, myself, uh, we've had a number of um, um, commitments, things that haven't let us um, bring out uh, bring out an update since then. Um, but this is going to be the uh, first in the series of. Um, post-election updates that we're going to use to x-ray, try and x-ray um, the post-elections, um, what happened, the way forward, um, where things stand in Nigeria. And, um, you know, we hope you guys enjoyed. So without any further ado, uh, I present you. Okay, the bear myself, Makonyagwa. Thank you very much. been a while. It's been a while. It's yes. been a while. We've got Michael Nyagwa here. Okay, Ndibe here. Yeah, and um, you know, promised to do this quicker than we, we are doing it now, but you know, we had a lot of commitments, but you know, the post-Nigerian elections, um, you know, the election has been um, contested, so, mm-hmm. to, so to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the winners have been declared, and kind of so to say, some of them are still in court, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, life uh, has gone on in the Nigerian political um, scene, b- both at state and local level at this point in time. And, um, I mean, it's been interesting, the outcome of the... I mean, we pretty much knew that it was either going to be one of the two that would win. Either it was going to be Buhari or Atiku mm-hmm. that was going to end up winning the elections. Um and that's no surprise. I think what surprised me has been, um, you know, the lack of support for most of the other candidates, in my view. Um, you know, 
you know, I don't know how you see it. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting to see that. Mm. Uh, but well, the way I see it is um, that it's tragic, really. Um, as okay, so as I p- proposed in one of our conversations before the the elections. Um, the PDP and the APC uh, represented two sides of the same coin. And Nigeria has been in a very bad place for decades, not just years, for decades now. And so I thought that we had an opportunity to signal and I'm talking about Nigerians now, to signal their openness, their readiness, to begin to contemplate a different direction. Uh, The kind of um, narrative that we have constructed for ourselves, where a country that has uh, exceedingly well-educated people in the world and great professionals in different fields manages to find mediocrities as their political leaders is a paradox and it's an anomaly. Um, We have uh, anywhere in the world, whether you look at Europe, Asia, or North America, you have Nigerians at the top of the game in uh, academia, in medicine, in uh, research, uh, in literature. Uh, And yet we managed to find um, really uh, very mediocre people uh, and often people who lack um, uh, both vision as well as a modicum of uh, enlightenment and, 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 and education who preside over our affairs as leaders. And so I had proposed that um, we had an opportunity with a number of uh, educated, enlightened men and women who presented themselves. Uh, I wasn't naive. I did not expect them to win. But I thought that um, at least uh, they would pull a million or two million votes. That would have indicated to to the class in Nigeria that has placed Nigeria in the shape it is, that Nigerians are taking seriously the prospect of moving away from the rot that they represented, instead of which um, all the candidates combined did not even make uh, 200,000 votes. So I, I think that is an indictment on Nigerians. Um, and it says that we, uh, in fact, I interviewed uh, Kinsley Morialo, uh, whose candidature I, um, I had championed. I interviewed him recently. And he said that Nigerians are prisoners um, in love with their captors um, and it's difficult to quarrel with that assessment indeed um, because you know I mean of course uh, post-election 
um, I'm sure we're going to get into it. Things have um, seemed to turn in a bleaker direction in Nigeria. Things are looking quite bleak, uh, especially with the security situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a lot of people are feeling, wow, we, uh, if only we had elected uh, Atiku Abubakar, uh, we'll be in better shape. Perhaps, marginally, perhaps. Uh, but that's even open to debate. But there is no question in my mind at all that Nigeria would have remained essentially in the same kind of disastrous circumstance that you know we find ourselves today. Yeah, I mean that's interesting because um, you know I hadn't gone to Nigeria in a while, and um, I went a couple months ago, and you know I, I ordinarily would have felt, um, and, and by the way, you know it's going to be a different feel because this time around we're coming from okay's basement mm-hmm. you know bunker mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when he comes out with some of his best stuff uh, but i ordinarily would have felt that the, the outcome of the other candidates um in nigeria was because of rigging outrightly mm-hmm. um election malpractices whatever mm-hmm. term you might want to use that, that's what i would have felt mm-hmm. but going through nigeria like we did we did road trips lagos uh to uh, to, to Inugu, abuja um you know, going through Nigeria, the reality I saw was that, you know, people were not aware of other candidates. Mm-hmm. Sincerely, the common guy on the road, like, I'm mm-hmm. talking to guys, like, different places, man, different states, and, like, yo, mm-hmm. <laughs> people who, who's Moga what? Yeah. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> well, yes, you don't, I don't blame, um, uh, the uh, what you might call with all kinds of misgivings, the ordinary Nigerian, you know, the Nigerian that uh, who, excuse me, who has a stall uh, in a market, if he didn't know who Moel was. But there are two things. One is that there are lots and lots of Nigerians who have a level of education, who knew who Moel was, who knew who. Uh, Duratoye was, uh, who knew Tobe um, Fashua, uh, you know. So these were the exciting candidates, you see. Um, so there are Nigerians who knew them, uh, who nevertheless said, I prefer Atiku or Buhari to these people. Um, I was in Nigeria in January before the elections and I made a point of talking both formally as well as informally to different people and different groups and I remember speaking to the Rotary Club of uh, VI and we were discussing the elections and these are professionals some of them with masters and PhDs and so on and they were trying to rationalize why they had to vote for Atiku or Buhari. Um, And the points that they made um, seemed to me so appalling. Uh, So some of them will say, um, these other candidates, the more progressive, visionary, enlightened candidates, did not have um, structure. And I said to them, let's break it down. What does structure mean? I think it felt like they, it felt like they, they were talking about they were not going to win. Yeah, but you know, precisely. So they said they were not going to win. That's another argument they made. And I said to them, guess what? 
if you support Buhari or if you support Atiku, one of them would not win. I said, therefore, why don't you make sure who would win and vote for the person who would win? It's, it's a particularly ignorant kind of argument that Nigerians make and they seem impressed with themselves. In an election, what you do is to vote for the person you consider the best candidate. If you consider uh, Tope Fashua, for example, as the best candidate, but you say he's not going to win, then you vote for Atiku. Guess what? Both Tope Fashua and Atiku did not win. Whether uh, they didn't win um, because legitimately they didn't win or because the elections were rigged, uh, that's a different question, right? But we ought to learn to begin to support the person we consider the best candidate. That's what enlightened people do. And once you decide that this person is the best candidate, guess what? Give him the structure, because when they say structure, it means you don't have the money to hire people to be in the grassroots. Guess what? If I believe that a candidate is the best candidate, I'll call, and Nigerians use their phone a lot to send stupid information, okay? <laughs> Why don't you send a text message to a hundred of your friends and say to them, this is who I think is the best candidate. This is the reason I think he or she is the best candidate. Let's talk about it. Or if you agree with me, please send this to 10 friends. But that, that's revolutionary. Though. That's revolutionary. But that's, you see, that's the technology that we have. We have the technology, right? To be revolutionary. But, but, but we spend this great technology that we have, the cell phone, our ability to send WhatsApp messages, and people send you all kinds of inane, pornographic nonsense. <laughs> Do you understand? Very true. Uh, very tawdry, very um, tasteless uh, videos and material of people dancing, of people, you know, fornicating, of people doing all kinds of things. But when we have the opportunity to use the same technology to change the circumstances of our lives and also the lives of our children, more importantly, what do we do? We sit down and we make excuses. We sit down. And, so I, I talk to people, I say to them, listen, I said, even if you believe that Mogalo or Tope Fashua or Dorotoy would not win, I said, give sabe notice to the people who have been the ruling class in Nigeria and who have turned Nigeria into a hellhole, shithole, as, as Trump said, right? Yeah, I guess. You know, tell them that more and more of us are thinking of changing that equation that they represent so that they will sit up knowing that in the next election or perhaps two elections hence these candidates or people like them will become the competitive candidates that they ought to be but to make excuses to make excuses uh, for uh, choosing mediocrity just baffles me because I also say to people the leadership of your country is more important even than personal decisions you make except that Nigerians don't know it so some Nigerians think if I can steal enough money 
and buy a house in America or in Canada or in Britain, then I will send my family away to those places. Uh, if I need uh, medical care, I go out there, okay? Uh, to South Africa, Ghana, India, you know, Canada, US, France, and, and Britain. Um, but that makes sense if your idea is to kill off Nigeria as an idea, okay? If, if we've all agreed that Nigeria is simply a place where we should struggle to steal the most so that we'll go and have a better life somewhere, then it makes sense, some of the decisions that our people make. But if you, rep if you recognize that only a, a minute number of us will be able to leave the space of Nigeria, and that however much money you have stolen, if you have a stroke in Nigeria, before you have flown out to Britain or to America or to Canada or to South Africa or even to Ghana, it's too late sometimes. Okay, if you have a heart attack, that is too late. So invest in the kind of leadership that will give, create a healthcare system in Nigeria that Ghanaians have created for themselves or are creating for themselves, that South Africans have created, that Americans have created, that Canadians have created, and Nigerian doctors are some of the doctors who are making the systems in those countries work. So if we created a better system, those Nigerian experts will be attracted home. And guess what? If you fell sick, you will not face, face the risk of before you got your visa in place or before you got booked on a flight, that things would worsen, right? So if we begin to think in those terms, then I think that we'll begin to make better decisions. What we have in our place is that we have abandoned to the worst of us, to the worst elements amongst us, the leadership of our country. And therefore, we look in bafflement and people complain that uh, bandits emerge from the bush and start shooting at moving cars and they abduct people and they kill people. That is exactly what you have in a country where everybody is looking out for themselves. It's inevitable. People blame Fulani Hertzmen. My suspicion is that, yes, maybe a lot of those kidnappers, a lot of those bandits are Fulani Hertzmen. My suspicion is also that other people are getting in on the action. Okay? People have to eat. People need a modicum of shelter and clothing and so on. If you create a country where primitive accumulation is the going ethic, okay? Then you create opportunities for the mess that we have today. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's true. It, in a way, it's also theoretical. I mean, looking at it like it's also theoretical. Um, but it's true, pretty much. Um, but the biggest thing, the biggest thing in creating... Um, that kind of society is looking at today like why is it that even the nigerians that are supposed to be knowledgeable like looking back at the elections for instance for justice elections why is it that the nigerians that are supposed to be knowledgeable the nigerians that are supposed to be 
you know, for lack of a better word, exposed, you know, were the ones spearheading the two-headed monster as, as a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, why? My question, my, my, my thought is always, why is it, why, why is it like that? Mm-hmm. You know, why is it that guy that you, and it's, I, I can't tell you the percentage, but I'm, in my experience, you know, my friends, the group, the chat groups, I'm in all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's over 80%. Mm-hmm. I know it's over eight out of 10 people that you would expect a lot more from mm-hmm. that will turn around and look at you and be like, well, um, you know, uh, it's either Atiku or Buhari mm-hmm. will win. So mm-hmm. wait to vote for one of them. Yes. You know, and it's like, okay, but given mm-hmm. Nigeria is what it is um, and being on ground, I get, you know, I, I, I get that the, the guy in, in the far-flung places of Kogi or Kaduna or Nasarawa doesn't know any of doesn't know any Mogal, doesn't know all these people because the, the media sources are not reaching them mm-hmm. viral mm-hmm. moment or whatever that shows hey what this is what this guy is all about doesn't get to reach them. You know, as much as there's a lot of access to the internet, there's a lot of um, um, communications by phone, WhatsApp, um, other chat groups, Snapchat, whichever one. It's very very obvious getting to Nigeria is very vibrant. One thing that surprised me in Nigeria is the amount of people that use mm-hmm. um, iPhones. Yes. And, um, um, and I'm, I'm not saying the bad way, I'm just like, you know, it was a, a large yes. percentage of people. Like, yes. I, but everybody was like, yeah, everybody has an iPhone. <laughs> I'll give you an example, right? Because um, the opportunity for revolutionary thinking and action exists. Um, in that technology, right? If you look at what we call the Arab Spring that shook up uh, some of the established leadership in much of the Arab world at one point a few years ago, right? It was a cell phone that was used to summon people to places of protest. Which is why the new government kind of restricted that. Precisely. Precisely. Now, Nigeria doesn't have that problem that the government is restricting the use of, of iPhones. So when people said to me uh, that some of these more visionary candidates uh, had no structure, and I said to them, what does structure mean? Oh, you know, people don't know them. And I say, look, if you are middle class in Nigeria, you are uniquely placed, you know, you know my wife and I support lots of relatives in Nigeria, Right, And I spoke to all of them. I said, listen, if you want a better Nigeria, this is the kind of candidate that you will vote for. Okay? And I explained the reasons. Okay? Nigerians still think that if a governor uh, has some roads, that that's an achievement. That if a governor pays salary, of state workers, state employees, that it's an achievement. So, so you talk to people and say, this governor is trying. And you say, what exactly does he do? Oh, you know, he tied this road and, um, and he pays salary. Um, so, so we've reduced ourselves to, to, to that, right? But so I, I said to, I, I mean, it was really appalling to talk to people who should get it. And, and they make excuses. 
And yet these are the same people who will turn around and point to the Sierra Leonean leader who is intelligent enough, an ex-army officer, that he could talk and, you know, he could stand and give a TED talk that people found compelling. Yeah. And you find him thinking of creating a better future for his daughter, young daughter, you know. Um, but the people that we have are still leaders who count their importance in material terms. Once you find such people, okay, where the material is a measure of themselves as men and women, and they're in the public arena, it's a disaster. It's a recipe for disaster. A leader essentially is somebody who says, I'm going to sacrifice some of my own comfort. I'm going to sacrifice some of my own desire in order to serve the public good. So when you say that some of your friends give responses are disappointing, I think that it's my answer is that we have created a country over over the years since independence. Decades. Progressively over the decades, you know, since independence, where we have lost a sense of the corporate, the collective, and we celebrate the private, personal, individual success, especially even when that success has been at the expense of the collective, so that somebody, and again, we don't have, uh, sadly, we've lost the sense of the connection between ourselves and governance, the tools of governance. So people sort of think that uh, governance is um, and even the Oibo, you know, the, the things <laughs> of, of, of Oibo people, right? Yeah. So, so if because you it's, become it's, a commissioner yeah. in a state and you did not put all your relatives in jobs, okay? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, regardless, of whether, regardless of whether they had the qualifications or not, you will become a bad person in your community. But good societies are those where people say, my duty is to put in competent people. Because when I put in competent people, they serve everybody better, including my relatives, right? Mm -hmm. If I put in my incompetent relatives in positions, they will merely serve themselves by stealing money. Everybody else suffers, including themselves in the long run. Um, so we have to begin to think about those factors, right? Um, when Obasanjo was president of Nigeria, I was interviewed on AIT television. Yeah. I, it was an, a very early morning interview, so that meant that I had to leave where I was staying in, in VI, on VI, uh, to go, um, you know, I left at 5 a.m. to arrive at the studios. And this is the same road that Obasanjo would take to return to his farm. And the road was in terrible shape. So when I arrived at the studios, I said to them, is this not the same road Obasanjo takes? They said, oh, he now flies in a helicopter. Uh -uh. So he'll come into Abuja and the helicopter will convey him to his farm. And so during the interview, 
I told him that Obasanjo was a disaster as president. And I said, he is not a disaster for Igbo people and for Hausa people. He's a disaster for Yoruba people as well. And in fact, he's a disaster for himself. Because you are the president. You have the resources to ensure that the road leading to your own farm is in good shape. And you say, no, I won't do it. I'll be flying in a helicopter. Forgetting that there will come a time when you are no longer president, when you will go through on that same road that you have failed to pay attention to. So that smallness of mind, that puniness of the intellect is, is a particular malaise that our people face, too many of our people. Um, and so we, we boast about, you know, collecting all the accoutrements of, of uh, modern living. You know, we buy the latest models of the latest cars, and the most expensive cars. Um, and yet when we're sick, there's no Nigerian governor who would submit himself to being treated in any Nigerian hospital. Mm. That's how bad it is. Yeah, but you know, um, I mean, a lot of these things we've been talking about are just uh, primarily have been ideals. You know, ideas, ideals, this is the way things should be as opposed to the way things are, which is sadly sad. But I look at it like, why is it that way? I get it's been decades of, to me, I don't see what we've necessarily built since the British have left. Mm. And not just talking about Nigeria, like every once in a while I get to a point personally, you know, I get to a point where I have to reflect like, you know, why why are things like this? And you know, one of the recent points was when Trump made the shithole statements. You know. Um, yeah, part of my friends there's no there's no there's no beeping out there here, so you know, it is what it is. But um one of those reflect and I, I was watching um you know Diola the other day on her this thing she was talking about Guinea um Equatorial Guinea uh, Theodore Bang and all that stuff and that's uh, I remember living in Calabar you know my family we still have a, a a house on the main road in Calabar that's um I did them I did them in Saw Road mm. you know um just behind Nafla we still have a house there uh, some other assets in Calabar and stuff like that and um I remember um uh, it used to be like back in the late 90s it used to be like mid to late 90s it used to be like three flights a day to malabo quarter mm-hmm. it was like i've been to if i've been to a few places around the world mm-hmm. you know yeah you know, i've been to a few places around the world I, I think malabo man on its own you know look watching that this thing just reminded me how beautiful mm-hmm. malabo is mm-hmm. how beautiful equatorial guinea is mm-hmm. um it's a tourist delight that very few places in the world can match up to very few and it has less than a million people there are more people where we are in in, in hartford connecticut than they are in the whole of malabo mm-hmm. and they make over two billion dollars a year but much of it though is stolen and that's the, the president and his son his son his 50 year old son that yeah. is like a, a married yeah. playboy precisely buys michael jackson gloves good precisely and, and, and buys and, ferraris and right. lamborghinis and, 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 and yeah and the irony is that i look at it and why is i, I think 
why is a large part of black Africa like that? Um, I look at it, I ask myself, like, why is it that people generally don't condemn that? They want to be that. Mm-hmm. You know, why, why is that most of, well, most of my friends, most people I know are like looking at it like, hey, you know, blah, 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 talking through both sides of their mouth. And they are clearly telling you, look, man, one day me too, I want to get there. Mm-hmm. I want to be that. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to like, and I'm looking at it like, how does that benefit you? Mm-hmm. You know, I get that people have made it seem like, you know, um, if I'm the governor of the state, I'm going to try and develop my my community, which, to be honest, if you, very few of them do, but generally, I don't know the percentage, but I'd say more, less, less than 50% of them do that. And in development, what we're talking about is the same old stuff. If you roads, put a few of your people in in, mm-hmm. in, in government positions, mm-hmm. and that qualifies as development. Achievement. Oh, an achievement. Everybody's going to be like, this is a good person. Mm-hmm. When you could have developed a system that could gen- that could lift all boats, all tides. That's right. You know, um, I, 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 you know what, what people tell you is that they yeah. say, oh, there's corruption everywhere. And I'm the first to admit there is corruption in America. There's corruption in Sweden. There's corruption in the UK. There's corruption in France. Um, it's, there are, in any society, humans who would, given, have the opportunity, act corruptly. The difference between corruption in Nigeria and in some African countries is the celebration of that corruption. So in the U.S., you have a billionaire, Epstein, who is now facing prosecution for the second time, and perhaps this time, odds are that he will really, really uh, be, you know, find himself in jail for many, many years, right? In Nigeria, if you're a wealthy man, um, you could act in a way that mocks the idea of law and order. In fact, you embody and personify law and order. So whatever you do, however lawless it is, once it occurs to you to do it, then it becomes a law. And it becomes order. You understand? The fact that we have people who were a few years ago being tried by the EFCC for corruption now finding themselves on Buhari's list as ministers and a very shameless Senate would do what they call screening and pretty much ask these men whose um, reputations are tainted to take a bow and go, you know, makes a mockery of everything. So the image that we telegraph, the message that we telegraph is we don't take ourselves seriously. The idea of law and order is always shifting okay so you break the law only to the extent that you are not 
in the good books of the president. Then the president could order the police or the EFCC to go after you. If you can break the law all you want, if you and the president are in harmony, then you have not broken any laws. So that personalization, I mean, we see the US Congress giving grief to President Obama, uh, President Trump, right? Um, we see Trump's labor secretary have to step down because questions were raised about the way he handled the first prosecution of this uh, child uh, predator, sexual predator, Epstein, right? Mm-hmm. In Nigeria, how many people have ever resigned because credible um, acts of corruption or of moral turpitude were uh, attributed to them. Yeah, we're very few, but but you know, you know, a lot of these things we're talking about. I mean, it all ties into the revolutionary spirit that a Nigeria needs to get to the next level. Um, it ties back into it ties back into the elections and the fact that. Not just, I mean, we expected the results. No, people, I'm like, there are results you expect, you know. Um, just like I was talking about, my, I'm a huge boxing fan. I was, mm-hmm. I, I, when I talk about, you know, it's not just the results. It's always, you have to weigh the circumstances. You expect certain mm-hmm. things to happen, mm-hmm. but how did it happen? You know, so it, it's, it's like looking at, you know, like, okay, the, we expected, we expected one of the two would win. More likely Buhari because he's in power. We didn't think he was going to be as gentlemanly or as clueless or whatever term you might want to use as Jonathan is or was you know the, the trouble the trouble we're looking at is does it it seems like nobody took a stand even at the ballot box was it that it was stolen ballots it was this it was that and it 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 ties back into it like okay so the common man not just the the, the guy that is supposed to be enlightened isn't trying to take a stand mm-hmm. maybe at best if you're enlightened enough and you have enough this thing you run for president that's what people feel mm-hmm. if it's like that the common guy because driving all around nigeria what i felt was what i saw was that there was a lack of penetration of 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 information mm-hmm. um is is it's, it's and it's primarily it's it, a lot of it is not just from like sources a lot of it is just from the way people think i'm not going to talk about this doesn't exist mm-hmm. blah 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 and these other candidates don't have the kind of resources to go from state to place to place to say hey i'm going to do this for you and most of them are not watching those mediums so in essence it's an even more effective way of um nigeria has an effective system of screening out um usurpers put it that way um credible people you might tell them you saw credible people who should be in the conversation mm-hmm. nigeria has a perfect way of doing that just screening mm-hmm. them out you know similar to even like russia um mm-hmm. with the mixture of state intimidation i mean look at the timid dakolo issue should be following that mm-hmm. um where credible allegations are raised and then everything turns to intimidation mm-hmm. you know and maybe the only shining light there is that the president's wife tweeted mm-hmm. in, in 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 support after the state came down hard on credible rape allegations mm-hmm. um what are you i mean what are you for against but 
they're 100% credible as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the facts speak for themselves too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, looking at it and, and, and looking at the whole, um, it, the whole distance, the whole tie back to it and everything, it's, it's interesting that it seems like the message of other people, it's almost impossible for it to, 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 to go to the common person. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the intellectual person, so-called intellectual or knowledgeable person seems to dismiss it mm-hmm. based on whatever they you know oh it's the past you know so it's it's um looking at the system is like why what can be done to make it better is it it's it is it more of an intellectual thing in by prevailing in sub-saharan africa hmm. You know, it seems like everybody goes with like the worst choices. You have mm. a Jacob Zuma that dances mm-hmm. all day long, and all of a sudden they put him there, and then you start having power outages in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Even when the previous guys are telling you, "Look, this guy is not the man," but I'm not rigging elections, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And it 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 goes go to an Equatorial Guinea where you could be Singapore. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, same family ruling but, Singapore. But you're a slum. This one, why? Like, why? There's there's absolutely like you could be that rich Mm -hmm. and install your family there. And of course, one of the the great anecdotes that Nigerians tell, but they do nothing about the fact that um, at independence we were co equal, co evil, perhaps even ahead of Malaysia and Singapore. 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 And and today, uh, people go there. Uh, on what they call exotic vacations, you know, we go to show off, you know, a country that works. Ironically, without, I think it's still visa free for Nigerians. Yeah, without recognizing, without recognizing that this is what we could have become or better, you know. Um, and you know, I know that I have a friend who often tells me, or oh, they, you know, all of this mess shows that the black man is uh, the black person is inferior to. Uh, to Caucasians and so on. I think that that's a silly argument. Um, that in any society, if the conditions are right, people would, I mean, America will become uh, a slum quickly if the conditions were right because there are enough greedy people who will take all the resources if they can buy the judges, if they can buy the police if they can buy the prosecutor, which is what happens in Nigeria. You know, when you have the prosecutor drinking, fraternizing <laughs> with the suspect, with the accused, yeah. right? So it, it all becomes a joke. When you have uh, some years ago, a governor was facing uh, Ibori, for example, was, um, was facing more than 100 counts of corruption and so on. And uh, he basically got the court to transfer the case to his state, Delta State, and um, a building owned by, I think, somebody who was his commissioner was bought and turned into a court, and um, everybody knew that he owned the judge who was appointed, everybody, right? So no serious witness on the government side will come to Asaba and give... um, testimony against Ibori. So, you know, the court said uh, the case was not proven. And yet the same Ibori was arrested in Dubai, taken to London, 
he knew that he couldn't buy the prosecutors, right? So what did he do? He pled guilty before his trial started because information would have come out, facts would have come out. Uh, but in Nigeria, it was a totally different thing where uh, the accused and was... He, he pled what, guilty for crimes uh, committed in Nigeria. In Nigeria. Yeah. But in Nigeria, he won. You know, yeah, he won. And of course, after serving his jail term in Britain, he came to a hero's welcome yeah. back in Nigeria. Yeah. The same people whose resources he stole came out of the airport and hailed him. So that's the thing. That is the thing. That there is a con- disconnection where people don't recognize that it is your resource. So uh, there's a, a particular kind of education of enlightenment that needs to take place in Nigeria. That we need to drill it into the consciences of people. I mean, I, I don't subscribe to maybe your your friend and a lot of people I know that would, you know talk about the black inferiority. Yes, but. You look at it, that kind, what you're talking about now mm-hmm. is very prevalent in black, black Africa. It is, but it is also out of ignorance because we look at the nation state. The nation state still remains for our people something alien, something foreign, right? So you talk about Nigeria. Nigeria is some kind of construct for many, perhaps most Nigerians, right? Yes. So it's a different thing if, even though once we have allowed corruption at the national level to subsist and to fertilize. It's polluted the local level. So you now, because before, if your hometown elected you into office and people contributed money, say to build a school and you stole that money, listen, nobody would tell you to return that money because the sanctions that will be imposed on you, on your relatives, the fact that nobody will treat you like a human being until you became, until you made uh, good on the money you, you stole, right? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that support that. Uh, yes. And if you go back in time, like in our communities, where we are from, you know, yes. yeah, 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 from uh, um, Anambradas, Amabia, mm-hmm. uh, in um in Bidi, yes, not the one in most states. Yes. Just those, <laughs> you know, if you go back to the communities, mm-hmm. local communities, there is a lot of accountability. Yes. Very but, local but, level. But that is but that is changing now even. There used to be a local... Now, now there being, used but, yeah. to be. Yes. There used to be because I remember years ago if um, somebody was accused of stealing money from his community... The person was ostracized, and it wasn't just you, it was your relatives. So even your relatives will compel you, because if they're doing marriages, if they're doing burials, nobody will show up from the community until you returned what you stole. And you did other acts of expiation, right? But today, even at the local level, people are beginning to steal the resources of their communities, and they will steal the resources and they will hire the police to arrest those who question what they've done. And now you see members of uh, the families of those who are being harassed going to beg the man who has stolen the money, oh, please forgive them. You know, they, they acted like children. They didn't know that they should not be talking to a big man like you. Right? <laughs> uh-huh. so, so 
so so I think that what has happened is that we began by sort of distancing ourselves from this idea that it is our money. And so, you know, so Nigerians say oil money, government money. So when you go and steal it, they think it's no man's money. So when you steal it and bring it, they think you're a hero. It's almost as if you climbed a tree and plucked <laughs> some seeds, right? Yeah, sure. uh, fruit from the tree. Um, but once people connect, which is what Americans get, which is what uh, good societies get, right? Yeah. When you say to an American that the mayor of their town or the governor of their town used a government credit card to rent a tax for $200 for his children. Mm. Every taxpayer, including one who didn't pay tax last year, <laughs> will say, it's my tax money. It's my money, right? So everybody takes it personally. It's almost as if, wow, I work hard, I pay tax, and the governor is using my tax money to rent a car for his son or for his daughter. That governor is out. And the governor, of course, will resign. If he didn't resign, he will be guaranteed to lose the next election. But in Nigeria, people will start making excuses. It's only $200. What is $200, right? And then he will steal $2,000. They say, it's only $2,000. What is $2,000? Then he will steal $200,000. They say, uh, go and check uh, what they're still in Nigeria now. This is nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. What is the, the other governor has stolen. True. So we have to begin, I think, um, to educate people to recognize that it is your resource. Also to recognize that you gain nothing, right? You gain nothing if, if you are a Fulani man and you have an incompetent Fulani candidate. That's a long way that, coming. The, yeah, I know, no, it's a long a way. Long, but, but, maybe but, but, not in our lifetime. No, you know, I mean, the thing is, the, I tell you something, I mean, somebody like Aminu Kanu, in Kanu, was able to energize the masses mobilize the masses with just that kind of message. So it is not as far-fetched as we think. It's not far-fetched, and, and but, I think, no, but maybe I think not that, in our lifetime. No, 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 I think it's in our lifetime because we have the resources. It is simply that those who should undertake that job, the quote-unquote enlightened middle class, are too busy looking for the crumbs from the tables of those in power to undertake I mean, primarily, if you're middle class in Nigeria, you're like trying to keep your job, get a better one, or just run away from the country. Yeah. Essentially, right now, like it's since Buhari um, came in, you know, people are like, and then since the current president Buhari came in, and going to the country now, it just seems a lot worse than that. It is just in a few months. Just in, I'm like, I mean, I just buried it, my mother in January. In January, I was able to, to you know, go around Nigeria in a car. And now suddenly people say to me, if you come again, you can't go in a car because people will emerge from the bush and start shooting. Yeah, that's what he said to us. And then I talked to people yeah. and a friend of mine in Florida actually said, yes, that his own sister and her husband were stripped of everything. Their car, their property, they were returning from the village. They were ambushed. You know, I talked to my publisher in Nigeria. He says, yes, it's worse than you think. You know, and this is just a few months. I was just in Nigeria burying my mother. Yeah, that's so, what you know, so it's like every bad thing catches up uh, 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 quickly in Nigeria. 
but the the gains that we make never, never. It seems like everything consolidated. That's what people said. You know, we took the road trip. Think here, left, mm-hmm. right, center. Yes. But I mean, going. I mean, looking at it, you know, going back. I, I I was planning to. We were planning to go to Nigeria, get that road trip, and um, who did you go with? Whole family, man. Myself, you, wife, kids. You put your kids in a car. Yes. And drove around. Yes. Oh my god. Like I used to do when I was a kid. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. You know, I I, I did it. I'm from Enugu. I was born and brought up in Lagos. So I look at myself as a Lagos person. Yes. Um, irrespective of the fact that I, I, you know, Nigeria won't let me do that. I do that. Mm-hmm. So when people ask me, I'm, I'm from Lagos. Mm-hmm. I'm from Surulere. Mm-hmm. That's where I was born and brought up. So yeah. Um, that I get, I'm Igbo. You yes. Know, I'm, I'm an Igbo person, but well, I look, look. Nigeria wants to be a country. It should be a country. Mm-hmm. I got zero problems with that. Um, I'm neither here nor there. I don't demonize um, uh, the followings that you know people have. I understand the history of the civil war. If you do, you understand it's, it's it wasn't the tribal thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was what it was. Um, you know, there were a lot of attacks, and it, the civil war was an outcome of was the final outcome of uh, the first coup, then the counter coup, mm-hmm. then the pogroms. As Chinwachi, I eloquently put it in his book. If you haven't read that book, you know, I know it's a free ad, but if you haven't read that book, there was a country I think you should read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people will insult it because mm-hmm. it was very factual. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, from Lagos, you know, one of my kids to go out there, just pop in, take a, wow. take a, take a trip. How long were you there? Uh, about two weeks. Mm. <laughs> two weeks, take a trip. Yes. Go to, and it was, it was accidental, to be honest. Let me yes. Not, let me not sound like I planned it from yeah. there. No, I, we got there on Easter week. Yes. And there were three flights to Inugu. Yes. And my auntie's uh, memorial was that weekend. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to attend. Yes. That memorial. And, and the know, flights were booked up. All booked up. Yes. Because we held <laughs> another funny thing. Yes. Um, we wanted to go to Nigeria. Yes. We bought tickets. But the irony is that none of us had a valid Nigerian passport. Whoa. Or visa. <laughs> Nobody. Zero. <laughs> So I'm, I got to be honest about that. Mm-hmm. It sounds, but nobody did. Mm-hmm. So what were we supposed to do? We had already done what we were supposed to do, booked in, blah, blah, blah. But it's the irony of living here a long time. In America, you need your passport or you need your travel you documents. You can get it quickly. You can get it even the next day if you mm-hmm. tell them, give them a co- mm-hmm. coherent reason why, why you need it the next day. And you don't have to be a um, VIP or whatever. You just have to be a person with a reason, mm-hmm. you know. Um, in Nigeria, is a different ballgame. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not trying to, but I'm just, it's, it's, this is my experience. Yes. So we go in, we book all the tickets, uh, we book all the uh, uh, passports. Yes. And the interview is like, I think the interview should have been July. Sometime, <laughs> sometime this period, it's July. And this is like in, this, this is and like in February. At Easter. This is like in February. Yes. After we like, whew, we mm. bought the tickets and, mm. you know, like, mm-hmm. yo, okay. <laughs> we could do visa on arrival. Yeah. Me, I was I, I, like, okay, fine. I, let's do the visa on arrival. Yeah. Man, I don't care. <laughs> Just life goes on. You know. <laughs> uh, you know, the rest are looking like, yo, you know, man, they feel like they're giving up something. Yeah. I'm, I'm being practical here. <laughs> so, um, a friend of ours who, you know, a friend of ours who has a huge name in Nigeria, not to call names, mm-hmm. whose family, not, not mm-hmm. them, not she, you know, she, they have this, well, like, you know, when she, when she had to go back with her kid, because she was born here, but she lives in Nigeria, that she just went to the embassy, the, the, 
the embassy now I come from. I think I, I keep forgetting I'm, mm-hmm. this is the US. Yes. So we go to the embassy. She goes to we go to she, she went to the embassy, blah blah blah, sits down there two days, they eventually do it. They give they allow her to do the expedited service, even mm-hmm. though her interview was supposed to be in six weeks. Mm-hmm. So we're like, all right, Nigerians might be like that, let's mm-hmm. go there. So we get there first the first time we go there, blah blah blah. We couldn't do the this thing. Uh the time was too late. We came in around one. They said if we wanted to do that, come in around nine. Mm-hmm. So okay, we go that next time we try, and then we do the fingerprints. But they give us the date of um, the same July that was supposed to do oh the interview gosh. for yes. collect the passports. Yes. So we're like, so you know what we're we supposed to do? We start trying. No more expedited service anymore mm-hmm. at the at the embassy at the when Nigerian house. The embassy is in DC. I get we get there and then they were it it, it felt it it was so different. Mm-hmm from America or Europe. Yes. It was so, so different. You I've know, been there at it. least twice and people were, you know, at blows. You know, people were <laughs> fighting physically. Yes. It was, I mean, yes. the, the irony is that, it's like, you know how they say um, an embassy is foreign soil. Anywhere you are, if you're in any country and there's mm. an embassy or a high commission or whatever, it's foreign soil. Yes, right. Yeah. You didn't it need was, to be told. It, it's it was, Nigeria. It was foreign soil. <laughs> Was absolutely first, <laughs> I, I didn't need to be yes. told, man. Like right from the door, yes. there was a lovely food truck up front. Yes. You know, shout out to them. Man. Yes. And there was a lovely food truck up front. I think husband and wife crew. I appreciate what they do. Yes. You know, and their hustle. So that's why I'm giving them that shout out because I've seen that story as well. But there was a lovely food truck up front. I had to carry carry my daughter out mm. with five and take her out. And midway through, we're hungry. Yeah. Eventually, did the fingerprint, and then there is no. Um, uh, that leaflet, booklet. No, no, no. They gave us a date, you know, in June or July. I think. <laughs> oh my gosh! So we just go back and sit down, and I'm looking. I'm like, ah, if it's me alone going, I mm-hmm. don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, just go to my visa on arrival, and life goes on. Mm-hmm. Everybody's looking at me like, mm, it looks like you forgot you're with us. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I called my. Um, my cousin, who is more of my older brother, actually, to be yeah. honest, because, um, you know, the way our family is structured, we're, we're a few, very unlike most African families are like, you know, mm. one one boy, all that stuff. So I called my cousin, who is the only child of my father's, of my father's older brother, and I called him up, and like, I think I, I, I just texted him, like, yeah, man, I'm not, like, uh, you know, I, I didn't even tell anybody I was coming. Because every time I say we end up not coming, and this time we really wanted to come. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, yeah, yeah, we're having this, this, this. And he tells me, like, oh, yeah, my in laws actually work, uh, not to call him, my in laws actually work in the embassy. Mm-hmm. Actually work for the foreign service. Mm. You serious? Oh, freak, torn. Talk to my wife. I'm like, yo, um, does your auntie work in the foreign service? Yes. <laughs> like, yes, she does. Like, oh. <laughs> Maybe you should just Call text her. that, you know, yes. again, if you're listening in America, you get where I'm coming from. Yes. If you're listening in yeah. Europe, you you yeah. might get where I'm coming yes. from. But this is Nigeria, probably calling me an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's fine. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you might, you know, shoot I text, just mm-hmm. tell her, you know, what's up. I think this was um, a week to departure. I think this was, our uh, departure was on a Wednesday. I think this was like... Um, Wednesday or Thursday, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 uh, before. the week week before, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, okay, she's uh, calls calls the husband because the husband she's related to first, and then he doesn't pick up. Like, all right, whatever, you know. 
and then turns out he's on a flight from from where her duty station is in Europe. You know, <laughs> where her duty station is in Europe back to Nigeria. Ni- back to Nigeria, and then calls back, and then, yeah, just call call her. You know, send, sends the number. And she calls calls her and all that stuff, and then apparently, you know, we already had a um, another relative of my wife who actually was who actually is stationed in Vistana I tried to call text as well well I tried to text you know but she just came to moved here like recently mm-hmm. very, like a couple weeks before prior mm-hmm. to that I think two months or less prior to that but unfortunately she wasn't even in America because you know, mm. her number wasn't going through she was in Nigeria for a family mm. function mm-hmm. so that one says, oh yeah, tries to, and then finds her, tells her, yeah, she's actually in Nigeria for a family function, that's why we can't get through to her. Oh, like, oh okay. And then she calls, she's like, okay, you know what? Send me the pictures. I'll call somebody. Call somebody. Gives us the person's number. We call that person. Um, pop in there, Monday. Mm-hmm. Our flight is on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And um, literally just hand us up. All our passports, man. <laughs> no expedited, nothing. Yeah. Just like, hey, you know, yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm happy. Yeah. You know, shout out, man. You mm-hmm. know, I'm thankful too. Mm-hmm. But it, I'll be but lying. But you wish it, that the system worked for everybody. Worked for everybody. Yeah. That's, and, and I'll be lying if I said anything yeah. different. Yeah. I'll be lying absolutely yeah. if I said yes. it. People are like, now nah, my like, yeah, bro. Yeah. I get, man. You know, my my mm-hmm. wise people have mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. and you know, and I'm you know, sure you, you, it, you know what it's uh, like. You know, just to give you a sense, so I have dual citizenship. Uh, so in 2011 January, I arrived in Nigeria and was um, detained by the Nigerian government uh, on account of my columns and so on. And um, that's a little. And um, I didn't. No, anybody at the U.S. embassies in Nigeria, uh, not in Lagos, not in Abuja, but quickly they found me and they sent me a text message and they said, call a number. I called a woman and she says, I've been assigned to you to make sure that you are okay in Nigeria. So, and I came back to find out that the college where I was teaching at the time had called the Connecticut uh, a congressional delegation and told them that one of their professors had been arrested in Nigeria. That delegation called the State Department. The State Department called the embassy in Lagos, in, in Abuja, and said an American citizen has been arrested in Nigeria. So they were questioning the Jonathan government, questioning what had I done? Okay. And so when you see Americans... And, and, and all this is without being... Without... I without, didn't call anybody. Without calling anybody. Without, yeah. without being it a was, member of the political party or whatever. Precisely. Like, I didn't know that the, you know, the president. I didn't know yeah. any... You don't know the uh, governor of I your state know, personally. The governor of my state. You I didn't know the, your, the rep, member. Your rep personally. It is just like, an American is in jeopardy abroad. That's the way they look at it. The American government has to serve that American citizen, has to ensure that he's safe, has to ensure that he's being treated with due process. Of course, if I had committed a crime, they would not spring me from justice in Nigeria. No. 
But they found out that I was being harassed for what I was writing, which was well within my rights to express opinions on uh, the political affairs of, of my, the country of my birth. And so they stayed in touch with me until I left the country. You know, so that's it, a real country. That's how you get treated when you belong to a true nation. But the, the trouble, the trouble, the trouble I have, you know, and, and you know, we gotta, we gotta, got but you know, the trouble I have, I get to the um, impact of the elections moving forward. The trouble I have is that most Nigerians see it as that, that is how heaven is. Yes. And that is how life could precisely be for that you. Is precisely. And then when you tell them that, and I get it, man, we don't live there. Mm-hmm. I get, you know, whatever, oh, you know, you're running away, whatever, I get, mm-hmm. you know, we don't live there, mm-hmm. understandably. Mm-hmm. You know, irrespective of the fact that I went to Nigeria and everybody's like looking at me like road trip, I'm like, yeah, I took a yeah. road trip from A to B. Yeah. I didn't even bother um, trying to get flights from Enugu yeah. to Abuja. Yes. Didn't really bother. Yes. I just, oh, okay, call my brother-in-law. I could check, look, just rent Going them. Going by road, yeah. Rent, rent I like to travel, you know. I like to it's see fun. spaces, you yeah. know. I, and, you know, but most people see it as more like, this is heaven. Mm-hmm. This is how heaven. America is heaven. Uh, is not more like, Britain this is, is what, heaven, yes. Uh, and I'm telling people, like, look, you go to Europe, you have tiny-ass countries. Mm-hmm. Small countries, man. Yes. They don't have oil. Mm-mm. I can't even count the amount of yeah. tiny countries I've gone to. And stuff is functional. It's not, it's not massive. Yes. It's not big. Yes. I, I go. It functions. And, and of clean. course, the, the truth is that most countries that work have no natural resource. They use their human, human resource, which is the most important um, uh, gift that like, any country has. It's your people. But Nigeria treats its people like they are death, like they are, you know, um, but don't, don't, animals. Don't really. you come back to it like if people get the leader they deserve? If we, mm-hmm. like, I'm not trying to compare compare uh, fruits to fruits, owners and apples, mm-hmm. but like I was in Nigeria, I think the second week I was in Abuja and like I ate something. I'm like, yo, it was a different episode, man. I'm like mm-hmm. throwing up. Mm-hmm. You know, going to the toilet every 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And literally nobody cared. Yeah. In America, man, that kind of thing happens, man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Emergency room and Yo, the doctor will be calling this doctor. People, and people around. Nobody around yeah. me. And, and you know, I, I get, I was, um, I went to a family um, bar that is owned. And I was chilling at the bar trying to talk to um, some friends. And stuff like that was happening. And I stood up, went to the, to the rest, to, to the bathroom, and I'm throwing up. I'm there every like, like, and, and, and the, 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 if I summarize it in my mm-hmm. words, it felt mm-hmm. more like, yeah, okay. The you're fact you're it felt like, uh, like, not just say, oh, you're like, yeah. ah, bros, I'm not gonna put my hand into yes. anything. Yes, yes. If you die, you die. You're yeah. old. No, you know, it's it's we don't value human life. Sadly, um, in 1993. I went to Nigeria and I was uh, headed to the airport and a friend of mine was driving me, he had his girlfriend in front of the car, I was in the back and just as we, here was the international airport in front of us mm-hmm. and there's this right turn that you take if you are going to the local airport in Ikeja, yeah, a car came out <laughs> from there 
as my friend was speeding up. And so my he came out, my friend was at very considerable speed. And so um, thought that the car would continue moving. So he wanted to pass through the man's, um, to the drivers the, behind the driver. And then the driver saw him and just stopped in front of him. So my friend then switched again to pass through his front and hit the side of his car and the car somersaulted oh, three boy. times. Yeah. So my friend was a banker and uh, his bank had a clinic that they used in, the, in Sruulere. I missed my flight. I actually thought I was dead because yeah. <laughs> by the time I was um, brought out of the car, I looked in the direction that I thought the airport was in. I couldn't see the airport because I was looking in the wrong place. I was confused with all the tumbling of the car. And um, so I said, oh, this is how it feels when you die. I thought I died. <laughs> well, um, so we went to his hospital. My left hand was swollen, was in terrible pain. And uh, the doctor, no x-ray or anything, you know, said, oh, you know, yeah, it's just you banged your hand on something. Uh, you know, go and take um, codeine or whatever. Three days later, I came back to America. They did an x-ray and found out I had broken my hand in three places, my left hand. The doctor, no x-rays. He's just looking, ah, yeah, it's just you banged your hand on something. That There's nothing, you know. So the fact that somebody who is a doctor would have a patient in front of him, but apparently had no x-ray equipment, or didn't think it should be used. Maybe got you know, just, just spoke as if, yeah, spoke as if they did money. not attend one day of medical school. How do you have somebody complain of terrible pain on the right hand, the hand was swollen, and you just said, oh, it's not broken. It was broken in three places. So you came, I came back to where medicine is practiced as it should be. The first thing my doctor did was write a requisition for x-ray and they found this out. So I got the proper treatment. If not, like I saw a kid, one of my friends um, back in, when I used to live in Bauchi, um, you know, she, she's um, half Igbo, half Yoruba. She lives, she lives in the UK now. Her husband is a white British dude. And she has this like foundation where she tries to help out. I think in Bauchi is remarkable. Um, it's very remarkable for her. She's one of those, but you know, we're all, we all part of the contingent of people who we're all part of the contingent of people who don't live in who, who don't who don't live in uh, who don't live in uh, um, um, Nigeria. So uh, we should try to do stuff. And if you know their story, you know, even though it was like back in the late nineties, uh, I became friends with them. How they survived the riots, the chasing because her, her father is evil, mother is Yoruba. Anyway, she's trying to do stuff. Now, one of the people I saw that she had, she had the guy's leg was like broken to the point that it has become a bow leg mm. and that's how he walks now because mm. apparently i guess nobody can you know he walks like just imagine a leg that heals improperly as a bow leg and you're just like walking and oh walking and walking and like, damn man. I, I i saw it and i'm not even a dad study medicine i'm not even medical mm. you know and i i could tell exactly where all that came from yeah. you know and, and you uh, know they also they um and that's, that's actually the reason we need enlightened leadership in every sector because it, 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 leadership that is enlightened would transform every sector of the country's life, right? So we're talking about medical issues, 
So I have a friend whose cousin um, apparently was diabetic and um, had a sore that would not heal. And people told her that uh, it was some diabolical attack, that some people use spiritual means to hurt her. So she called my friend, um, her cousin, and um, told him a lie to get some money from him. And she went and sat down at the home of some uh, spiritual healer. Mm-hmm. And um, so, of course, every day she was told to fast and you know did all kinds of prayers and so on. So one day she went into a diabetic coma mm. and um, had to be conveyed in a hurry to a hospital. And it was only when she got to the hospital, the hospital refused to treat her unless they got some money. So this cousin of hers, my friend, who had some means, was called and told, you know, your cousin is in the hospital, they won't treat her unless she paid such and such an amount. In the end, she ended up having her um, her leg amputated, you know, yeah. because they, they, they did not got bad. True. But this is, this is the kind of thing because um, we don't have good health care. Um, a lot of Nigerians believe this nonsense that diseases, cancers, and so on are caused by spiritual attack. Pretty much. You know, and pastors and imams and uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, ignoramuses, you know, posing as healers, make a ton of money from ill-informed, unfortunate patients, you know. Yeah. yeah. Much. And, you know, but, you know it, I mean, to, to, to tie it back to, you know, how you see the elections. Mm-hmm talk back, you know, talk about that and how you see the results, the impact, the future, mm-hmm. what you think. I mean, to me, it was just the worst part of it is what we've spoken about from the get-go and even, you know, we've delved into, it wasn't the results. Mm-hmm. Um, expectedly, most of us expect that those results are killers. People talk, those, those were going to be the results. Mm-hmm. Um, Buhari is going to be Buhari. People are going to do stuff, you know, that can't help a country grow. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much what it is, Nigeria makes in before billion and it's like four billion a year from oil or six billion maybe mm-hmm. I think somewhere around that. Mm-hmm. It's hundred and eighty million people. Question is what's the impact? What's well you know, how how do we see how do you see the elections and what's the impact moving forward? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you see? Well the elections for me, uh, apart from the outcome which was um, foreseen um, um, the election was a disaster in so many ways. Um, I think that, excuse me, it's, it's tragic that 20 years into our, what we used to call our nascent democracy, <laughs> we still haven't figured out a way to do elections. You know, uh, you still have people, uh, 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 INEC officials, who cannot provide uh, electoral material uh, in time. Uh, You still find INEC unable to broadcast the results at every unit and at every collation point in a transparent 
manner so that the elections would uh, command, uh, would have credibility and command respect. Uh, you still have thugs who uh, harass voters and burn ballot boxes and ballot papers and so on. And the fact that we even settle for all of this, this chaos, this disorder, this appalling display in the name of an election, the fact that INEC could not call so many state governorship elections for weeks, um, and considering the amount of money that we spend on these elections, uh, considering that in the end there is no confidence at all that the choice of the electorate uh, coincides with uh, those who are announced as winners, leads me to the conclusion that this is a total waste of the country's resources and of the country's time and of the lives of the people who either are maimed or killed uh, in this thing called the electoral exercise. The fact that before the election, INEC had given the impression they had um, uh, servers that would upload updates from elections, and apparently those servers are now non-existent. In a time like this one, with all the technological advances that we have, that we can find um, a simple way of saying these are the votes cast at this unit so that everybody can take a picture of it and then ensure that the, the figures at that primary base level are properly reflected at the next level where collation is done and at the next level until it gets to INEC headquarters where the results are announced. And so for me, a lot of Nigerians are willing to settle for, for what we have. I'm impatient with what we have because we have absolutely no reason except the inbuilt corruption, inbuilt fraud, inbuilt um, um, malfunction that we have accepted as part of this whole thing. So nobody can say for sure if it comes, if, it, if, it, if, if somebody, if there were consequences to swearing, nobody could swear that Buhari won that election. And for that matter, nobody could swear that Atiku won it. Um, I think that the international community has become jaded in their attitude to Nigeria. They sort of feel, okay, this is how they do business. So we go and we watch it and we are going to give our results that they met standards. But from the reports that were in the media, the reports that I got from people who were underground in different states, what we had was a sham of an election. And we have no business for a country that has lacks basic facilities to, to spend as much as Nigeria does in an exercise 
that turns out to be little more than a sham is tragic. Yeah. It's tragic. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting, I mean, the way um, Elston progressed, but, you know, it's, I think people are satisfied for the most part. People move on. I think Nigerians, Nigerians sort of shrug their shoulders and move on. There are people who wanted Atiku to win, um, who are... Atiku, by uh, the way, went to court and then ended up dropping out of court. Something no, like. he is still in court. Still, oh, okay. The case is still dragging through the courts. But, you know, I don't think anybody seriously expects uh, that the Supreme Court or any panel in Nigeria is going to have the spine to um, to change uh, a presidential election. Um, so I think that even Atiku himself is not holding out hope. Uh, <laughs> even if, if even if it turned out that he was rigged out egregiously, which some people believe, the thing is that I don't know enough about. Given all the all the snacks in the system, I can't say that I know enough to say that uh, Buhari lost the election. But a lot of people believe he lost it, you know. And Einek had given the impression they had servers, and that um, electoral collated figures will be um, uploaded to those servers. Um, Apparently, Einek is walking back that initial assurance. And the question is why? If it is not in the service of rigging the elections for the uh, incumbent president, why wasn't technology that is available, readily available, why wasn't that technology used? Um, so that's one question. The other question is, of course, that as I've insisted, whether it's Buhari or Atiku, Nigeria really stays in the same kind of mediocre, disastrous place because both men simply don't have what it, it takes to transform the country in, 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 a, in the direction that it needs to what, be. What do you think about the biggest problem with the Nigerian elections was that you know, the vast majority of people who at, at the grassroots, regular guys at the most people, you know, didn't get to hear from other candidates. And, you know, even though we are building an audience, network, stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people don't get, haven't yet gotten to hear us mm-hmm. speak about that. Mm-hmm. You know, most of them the elites. Most of the elites are guys who work in institutions that are all dependent on... Their jobs are dependent on who wins. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah, in the bank... You want your guy to win so he can give you your um, your deposits or whatever mm-hmm. it is. You know your your quota of government funds. Of yeah. Government funds. There's yeah. only so many people who, mm-hmm. you know, um, but most people haven't got into here. So what do you think about like you know the fact that the media the the system, even though we have you spoke about it at the beginning, even though we have phones. The revolution in Egypt was conducted by two phones. Mm-hmm. Most people haven't gotten to hear that. Most people haven't got the access to to those kind of things to be able to 
Learn more. Know they have options. The common guy, because mm-hmm. it seems like the elites are stuck in like this. Where, where you want to maintain your, you want to maintain your um, status. Mm-hmm. And part of maintaining your sta- part of maintaining your job, your status, is that you have to pitch your tent mm-hmm. with the political yes. actors. Yeah, you know, even though it's a very short-sighted uh, view, because in the end, the system will collapse on itself, and we're close to collapse. We're seeing it. Right, so uh, fewer and fewer people are able to travel by road in Nigeria. That is the dominant mode of transportation in Nigeria. So once you disrupt it, that means commerce is affected, livelihoods, a lot of businesses are going to fail. So that even people who have small jobs as shop boys are going to lose their jobs and they're going to be sent home because if the traders who go from our nature to Lagos, from our nature to Abuja, to Kaduna, and so on, um, who travel from Ibadan to Akure, and so on. If they can't reasonably move, then that's a huge loss in the economy. When you have a situation where um, your people are kidnapped routinely, Guess what? Foreign investors are not going to uh, arrive in Nigeria, in Lagos, and then go by road to Ibadan. Okay? Um, so that's a drying up of investment capital. And before you know it, um, people called even airlines, you know, all it takes is another major airline crash for people to say, okay, we cannot fly. We cannot go by road. So if I'm in Lagos, I'm stuck in Lagos. You know? And so normal human interaction and human intercourse is frozen. Commerce is frozen. All of this, all of these have consequences for the way people live, for the economy, for... Um, and that's true. But, um, you know, the way... The way I see, most people in Nigeria don't realize that. Mm-hmm. Most people don't see wealth as being created. Yes. They see it as being given. Precisely. So let me go and receive mine. And that, that precise, you know, you've actually hit at a point that I often make. I tell people, which I'm sure I've said in a previous uh, podcast, that everywhere else in the world, uh, people make money by solving problems. In Nigeria, we tend to make money by creating problems. Okay? That would be cool if, if we yeah. made money from doing it, but we seem to not just make money, we seem to like reduce the amount of economy by creating problems. Yes, yeah. So, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's like, um, it's, it's like there, there was a time I remember when we'll go to Weddings, right? So you take your cell phone mm-hmm. and then you take a camera. Yeah. But somebody thought, how about if we build a camera into a cell phone? And now you have phones that have cameras that are as good as, you know, as the cameras, Canon and so on, that in Pretty there, much, you yeah. know, that we used to carry. Imagination. So you just take your phone now and it's sad. So somebody thought, let me solve the problem. In solving that problem, they're making money. In improving uh, mobile telephony, people are making money every day. 
on the other hand, Nigerians, you know, so you talked about how you, your problem was able, you were able to uh, travel to Nigeria because you got somebody to call him from abroad and so on. Why is that not institutional? So that all that is an opportunity for Nigeria to, to make a lot of money because there are so many people in your position. So if you come late and you want a passport quickly, the country should charge you extra. The country makes money, you pay it, you're able to travel. But what they do is, whatever you do, they say, come back in July. But trust me, uh-huh. that I suspect that there's somebody at the embassy that if you had seen him, he would have taken money for his own pocket now and done the same thing, that no, you, the no, same favor that you got. In, a, in, a, in, in all honesty, I think you're right, but there was no human being yes. that came to us, yes. that suggested to us, yes. Any of that stuff, I sincerely just think this guy said. If I, if I, this was my experience with talking mm. with people. Um, you know, well, coming to another, but this is my experience talking to other people. People didn't even. I saw guys that came in from Maryland mm-hmm. to New York. Yes, and if for their in, passport. If you live in America, yeah. the first question you would ask is, if, especially if you live on the East Coast of America. Yes. Why don't you go to DC? Where the real embassy? What the, you know the, the, the embassy, the embassy is, is? Yes. And the, and the guy was like. One guy I spoke to was like, uh, "Yeah, dude, that's even way worse." Yes, it's better. New York is New York. It's better. It's better than uh, <laughs> Atlanta or this. So, if you live on the East Coast, you go to DC or New York. Mm-hmm. They have Atlanta, and that's it. San Francisco is closed down, wow. so you can go to the West Coast. Everybody. In, in so the, the people in the West Coast have to go to Atlanta or New, York or New York or DC. Yeah, crazy. If you're in the Midwest, you're screwed. And yet. These are opportunities. Nigeria could hire more people, yes. put them in, in more cities, because Nigerians need these services. But the person who will think about it is not thinking. They have farmed out the passport business to some private company, and I, I bet they are making a killing. If it's a and private company, private company should realize that you could make money from this. Yes. But they are not. Yes. There's a trouble. It's not a private company. Mm-hmm. But I think, given the situation Nigeria is in, not. I mean, I'm going to continue. I mean, next next podcast we'll talk about. I'll, this is just primarily about the elections. But yes. given the situation Nigeria is, I'm going. We're going to talk about um, the strangulation of business in Nigeria yes. next time. But that's that's a that's, big. That's yeah. a different. Mm-hmm. You know, but given the situation Nigeria, is, I don't think like. Visa on arrival for as many as possible is better. I've been hearing good stories about Africa mm-hmm. in the last couple of months. Africa, it's easier to travel than American passports mm-hmm. in Africa. It is with a Nigeria passport, oh, which definitely. is insane. Yes, it doesn't make any sense. Yes, like why? Why is it like? Yeah, you know, I'm in I'm in Casablanca. Even you know, it's getting better. Yes, mm-hmm. I know. But you know, I'm talking. About, I was in Casablanca about two months ago and mm. had. They're like, oh, American. Oh, okay. You can yes. go in. Not yeah. Nigerian, right? Yes. I'm yes. like, uh, no, no. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Yeah. You, you'd rather, you know, and I, and I, and I, and I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I get where mm-hmm. they're coming from. But it, 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 it's painful. It, it is. is painful, yeah. It's, it's painful. Mm-hmm. And I see the short-sightedness. Yes. But, in you know, you talk about, you know, how it's going to be better. Mm-hmm. You tell them, mm-hmm. you, need to, you tell people how you need to do this. I just look at it like, why is it African countries from top to bottom? think this way yes you know and we look at it um you know the post-mortem on the elections and stuff like that um you know what might be um looking at the elections the the um 
you know, we probably got, we have to continue. Well, but looking at the elections, you know, um, the impact, mm-hmm. what we see yeah. about the elections and all that from top to bottom, because it's essentially only the top matters. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just, there's something in America, in American politi- politics, you know, the debt ceiling. Mm-hmm. So, um, during uh, Clint, um, Clinton, debt was paid off. Mm-hmm. Bush came in and blew the debt mm-hmm. to about eighteen trillion. Mm-hmm. About twelve, uh, eighteen, twelve between twelve and eighteen trillion. Obama came in and put put the debt on the books mm-hmm. because Bush tried to hide it, and then took it down to owing, borrowing less than five hundred billion per year. So. Obama, you know, with everything, had to borrow about five billion. Trump has borrowed over uh, one point two billion per year in his time. And this week in America, um, they increased the debt ceiling again, meaning mm-hmm. the government can borrow money. Yeah. Essentially, it's kicking the can down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't want to ask what. Oh, people are like, you have to cut services. Yes, yeah, but the reality is that you know they cut taxes. There's no political will. To sta- yeah, will. You know, they cut taxes. They said the revenue will come in. Revenue has come in. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are collective res- gov- They are still collecting way less government revenue than they were before the taxes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because we cut taxes. So it's pushing the can down. To me, I feel like my summer the elections is like at best pushing the can down the road. Or in reality, just mm-hmm. maintaining the status quo, yeah. and nothing is getting better. Everything is getting worse. Yeah. Everybody wants to leave the country. Yeah, yeah. and you know, um, the, what you said is so apt. Uh, and my particular fear is that things are so bad and worsening quickly in the country, and Buhari, as ever, is disconnected. Absolutely, it's you know we are in in an emergency situation, but you have a president who just sits pretty as if things are so normal. So my fear is even whether we're going to get to um, another elections, you see, or whether this will be, uh, this year's elections will be the elections where Nigeria finally fractures uh, in a very irre- irreme- ir- ir- irredeemable and irreme- ir- ir- in a very irreversible way, yeah. you know. Um, things are really bad and I'm, I'm worried, you know, because Buhari doesn't seem to get it. You know, he doesn't seem to get it. He sleeps uh, when he should be up and worrying um, and um, and I'm beginning to hear pockets of of um, disaffection from different parts of the country people who want to go their pretty way and set up a different and you know that's a conversation that we uh, we ought to have you know uh, there is a, a Yoruba group that says it's past time for restructuring of the country, that they want uh, an Oduduwa republic. 
uh, of course, uh, is uh, the resurgence of B the Biafra IPOB and uh, other Biafran things. There are. And you can make uh, jokes about them, but yeah. they have serious followership. Oh no, they have they have serious followership, and yeah. they have they, all do. they have an appeal, and it's precisely because Nigeria as an idea has not really worked for anybody oh, except that's a, that's for that's another thing. except I, for I think this elections and previous elections have, have, has proven yes. that Nigeria, Nigeria as an idea doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean MK yeah. was an outlier. Yes. Because MK had a lot of money to precisely fund and then and then from from, from 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 making money from the government by precisely. the way. But, you know. And before he ran, MKO had strategically invested in different parts of Nigeria. He'd given money, he'd given scholarships, it helped uh, connected with people from all parts of the country. And so he won a stunning election. And I don't see in the horizon anybody, um, any movement um, that will recreate that June 12 movement, which unfortunately was aborted by... Uh, by it was a good movement, but I'd, I'd always... My fault with the movement is that it was... A lot of it was funded mm -hmm. financially. Oh, yeah, you, absolutely. You know, but it, it was a good movement, but, you know... Uh, but yeah, that being said, um, you know we we've we've um, touched a little bit on the elections today. I think we need to touch on it. We are going to touch on a, lot more. a lot, a lot more, a lot more. Yeah, we have a lot more to touch on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know the reality of the situation, and for me personally, going to Nigeria, I just mm -hmm. felt like you know this thing is it's going nowhere, mm -hmm. and not just that. Most people feel that way. Mm -hmm. I think. There might be some truth to it might be at the breaking point. Mm -hmm. um, I felt I just feel like a lot of people are just is at the point where people that are migrated to Canada are not like yes. slouches. Yes. That's my yeah. these are not Jew men as mm -hmm. we say back in the day in, mm -hmm. in secondary school in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Or these are not just these are guys, these are not just like, you know, these are not just weak sauce, soft sauce, weak sauce, man. Mm -hmm. Barbecue These are guys who are like doing okay in Nigeria, mm -hmm. doing well. And so I shouldn't yeah. be thinking of mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm going to start my life afresh right. in Canada. Right. Like afresh, not even like, mm -hmm. it's one thing if like, oh, you have a job, mm -hmm. you're yeah, moving there. And then I think like, yeah, I'm just going to pack my stuff and leave. Yeah. It's crazy. That's me. Mm. You know, it's crazy. Well, there's been a great conversation and yes. I look forward to the next one yes definitely yes. definitely yes. man so you know definitely uh, it's great great having you guys so dear listeners th thanks for tuning to the end I hope, we hope you enjoyed the um, episode um, this is the, the first part of the series uh, of the post-election updates in Nigeria um, you know a lot of things a lot of moving parts a lot of things have been going on so you know definitely hope you enjoyed it and um, you know look forward to the next episode thank you